For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. On today's show, we're going to explore new Facebook Reels, groups, content moderation, and more with Ali Bloyd. I'm Brian Dixon, news producer at Social Media Examiner and host of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, and you are in for a treat today. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Ali Bloyd is the host of the Marketing Inc. podcast and founder of Ali Bloyd Media, a leading training and consultancy for small businesses that specialize in social media advertising. Ali, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. So excited to be here with you, Brian. Absolutely. It's so good to see you. I know that we love to talk about what's happening in the world of Facebook, Meta, like that, that whole universe there. And this is a question that we get a lot in society and also on our public channels. And so I know there's so much to cover today. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. Let's talk about the updates to Reels. I know there's been several changes to Reels, and I'd love to hear your perspective as an expert on Facebook. What are the updates to Reels and what does it mean for the social media marketer? Yeah, so there are several things that are happening with Reels right now. I think it's really in response to their popularity. So Instagram has seen that Reels has been its fastest growing content format for quite some time now, actually at least the last year. And they find that over 50% of the time spent on Facebook and Instagram is spent watching video and Reels makes up the largest portion of that. So they're really trying to make Reels a much larger piece of not only what creators are going to be doing, but also what advertisers can be doing as well. So I think the first thing to discuss is their $1 billion creator investment that they recently made. And this is going to allow creators to monetize their Reels really sometimes for the first time, but a lot more effectively. They essentially say that they want creators to be able to build a business around their content and give them additional opportunities to do that. So there are some additional formats for ads that are actually coming onto Reels. They've started testing them in the last couple of months, but they should be widely available either now or in the very near future for just about everybody. And so those two new ad formats are going to be overlay banners. So this is going to be like a transparent overlay ad that's going to be at the bottom of a reel that is for a business other than the business that's actually on the reel, or maybe it's just the person or creator that's putting on that reel. The other one is going to be a sticker ad on that reel. So this is going to be like a static square. They can actually choose if they want ads to be on reels in the first place. So this will not be available on all reels. And you do actually 
have to be approved to be able to have reels ads on your real content. But the sticker ads, they're going to be something that the real creator can say, okay, yes, I want the sticker ad on here or the overlay ad. If they choose that sticker, it's going to be a square that they can essentially move into a position on their reel so that it's not interrupting their content. It's not hiding something that they want people to actually see in that reel. And that is just going to be a small static image with the name of the business, maybe a short little headline that's on there. So those two placements, if you are eligible to have them on your reels, they're actually going to give you a portion of that ad revenue for any ads that do show up on your reels. So pretty much like anything else in online advertising, just because you say you want to have ads on that content, it doesn't mean that there will be an ad there. It really depends on, you know, if someone is trying to target the audience that you reach, if people feel like it would be a good option for that ad to actually be on your content compared to who your typical viewers are and what it is you focus on. And then advertisers are also going to have some control in terms of where they want their ads to be shown. So obviously they can opt out of having those placements just through setting their placements as they typically would with ads, but also making sure that, you know, if they don't want to be on certain types of content or, you know, certain pages, then they don't have to be. They want to make sure that it aligns with their brand. So I think those two ad placements are probably some of the biggest things that have come out of this, which directly ties into the creators of those reels actually monetizing their content in a much more effective way. They're also going to make it a lot easier to share your reels on Facebook. So you're not going to have to necessarily like download your reels on Instagram and then upload them back on Facebook and then have to add the music or the audio and things like that, that a lot of people have had to do up until this point. So again, some of these features are not necessarily available to everyone right away. Maybe you already have that capability. Maybe you don't. If you don't, then it'll probably be coming pretty soon. But that is another feature that's going to be added. So I'm sure certain people are probably wondering how do they know if they can monetize their reels. And that is really going to be done through the creator studio under that monetization tab. So typically, if you're already approved for in-stream ad monetization, you're probably already going to be approved for this. But if not, you can apply for it. And if you meet the eligibility requirements, then you are going to be able to at least have the option to have those ads on your reels and make some money as a result. That's so fascinating. I know Reels is kind of the hot thing right now, that short form vertical video content. And something that we always want to think about when it comes to social media marketing is that we have these creators, and I know many of the people listening and watching are creators, but we also think about the social media manager who works for a company. So when it comes to company content, would you recommend that companies are posting and creating these Reels? I definitely think it's a good idea. I mean, ultimately, if you're going to be spending time on organic social media content, I think it's the best idea to focus on the content that's going to have an easier time getting seen. One challenge that you know I've always seen with the local businesses that I work with really heavily is that for a lot of them, their organic content is not going to be something that is always seen by their local audience. You know, it's going to be seen by people all over the world. So the question is, you know, is it even going to make an impact for them if those people can't be customers? And yeah, sometimes it's not going to, but I would still rather 
create content that has a much easier chance of being shared and seen, even just from the followers that I already have, not even necessarily all the people in the outside world. But even still, if you are utilizing more location-based hashtags, then you should be able to be shown more in that local area. And this is also where I love ads because with ads, even, you know, you can do ads that have that real placement, you control where those are going to be seen. And so you can make it, you know, in that geographic location that makes sense for you. But I do think no matter who you are, if you're a business owner and you're creating organic content for Facebook or Instagram anyway, you should definitely be experimenting with reels because again, they say over 50% of the time spent on both of those platforms are with video. And most of that is made up by reels. That's incredible. So speaking of content, Facebook recently released their quarterly widely viewed content report. And so as an expert that's reviewed this report, can you give us some of the highlights? What are some of the highlights of this Facebook content report that they've recently released? Yeah. So the content report, I found it interesting. Some things I feel like a lot of social media managers already know. One of those things was that the content that is gaining the most traction, getting shared the most, getting the most views, it does not have a link in it. So that's something a lot of us have just kind of noticed over the years that if you have a link in that content, they're suppressing it. I don't even know that it's just organically people are not sharing content that has links in it. I think it's that they intentionally are suppressing content that has links in it because they want people to stay on the platform. So that takeaway is you probably do not want to have links in your organic content. If you want to give someone a call to action, a better call to action might be something like, you know, check the link in my comments. That's a very common way to incorporate a link in there. Or if it's Instagram, even on Facebook, you can say, you know, click the link in my bio. That's something they can easily get to from that post, but it's not going to actually show up inside of that piece of content. So you are still able to send someone somewhere without having to actually put that link. That's also another reason I really like doing things like messenger automation. You know, the comment growth tool on ManyChat, for example, they can comment and then it gets sent to their messenger. So you can continue to have that conversion focused conversation without having to put a link inside of that actual content. So that was probably one of the biggest things that I noticed. The other thing was the pages and the topics of content that people were most interested in on the organic level. So with a lot of different types of advertising and different consumer behaviors, there are a lot of things that are really similar between people within a certain audience. So for example, people who like this movie, they're usually really going to like that movie. They found that there is not a ton of universal consistency between a lot of these top pages. So even those that are pretty large, you know, in terms of the number of fans or followers, they're not really consistently large in certain countries or compared to the total number of users across the platform. And the reason that they're citing for that is that everyone's experience on these platforms is different. No two people are getting the exact same content because it's really being curated based on who you follow, who you're friends with, the things that you're seeking out and searching for and engaging with. And because of that, it does make it harder for certain pages to really get 
very solid traction against a core demographic that maybe typically you would assume they would all like the same thing. Again, I think it comes back to the reason why ads can be really powerful. You may not be able to reach all those people organically, but if you are selecting the audiences that you want to run to, you're going to have a much better chance of at least getting in front of those people. And so that was another big takeaway. I think the other things that we found from the report were pretty consistent to what we've seen, you know, the last several years. And that's the types of content that are being really widely shared. Those things are short. They're entertaining. They are things that maybe are a little bit more of a distraction for people. We live in kind of a heavy world in all honesty. So people are looking for an escape. That's why they get online a lot of the time. So just something that's funny, something that makes them laugh, or that is, you know, just a quick little dose of information. Those are the things that are doing really well organically right now. I love that. I want to ask Allie about groups in just a second. But before that, if you're looking for something to make your day-to-day a little easier at work, maybe you need a social scheduling software or a visual planner. Check out our list of recommended marketer-approved tools and apps to find what you need to make your job easier. Just visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash apps. It's our favorite apps list. Just check it out at socialmediaexaminer.com slash apps. Now, Ali, I'd love to speak with you about the updates to groups. I know that Facebook has made several changes to groups, specifically group moderation and administrative tools, protecting groups and managing groups. Can you give us some of the highlights of some of these updates when it comes to Facebook groups? Yeah, so there's been a couple of things that have been going on with Facebook groups. One of them is actually that Reels are going to be available in groups as well. They also want to make it easier for group moderators to be able to get the content out to those people that are actually in those groups. They've added some tools that will allow you to approve comments a little bit easier, more flexibility with some of those automatic questions. And I think really just trying to simplify that process for people who run groups and want to make sure that the people inside of the group are really engaged, that they're able to see those posts, approve those posts, moderate those posts really easily. I know for a lot of us who have Facebook groups, things slip through the cracks really easily. Posts go up and down based on who's engaging with them. It's not always in chronological order. So I feel like they really want to improve that as a lot of people in recent years have been actually moving from Facebook groups to groups on some of these other platforms for those reasons. That's great. So for those businesses and uh, social media managers that run their own group, it might be time to go check out the Facebook group again to see what those administrative tools are. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about probably one of the biggest challenges that I see with social media platforms, specifically the really big ones like Facebook, is all about content moderation. So this is another area where Facebook and Meta, they've been making so many changes when it comes to content moderation. They really seem to be cracking down on misleading content, on clickbait, on fake engagement. I know we've heard a lot about bots in the last few days. And so give us your perspective on what Facebook is doing when it comes to sort of like really focusing on authentic engagement instead of fake engagement? Yeah, so a lot of what they're doing relates directly to video, it appears. And they really want to focus on kind of downgrading content that they consider to be watch bait and even potentially 
penalizing the brands or pages that are doing that really consistently. So some of the examples of what they consider to be watch bait may be something that is very curiosity-based. So I know as marketers, we're like, what's wrong with that? You know, curiosity, they're like, if you don't give people the full context in the title, then that could be considered watch bait. Well, truthfully, I mean, the whole point of marketing or good headlines and good topics is to entice someone to watch it. There are a million different types of videos and content out there. You have to have something that makes people want to see it. If you give them the entire context in the title, thumbnail, and description, you know, maybe they just gain what they think they need right from that, or maybe they actually assume they already know what they're going to learn and they may not watch it. So I think that this is not entirely clear, at least in terms of to the average marketer, like what they need to avoid. But some of the things that they gave examples of were things like, you know, his reaction was priceless, or this is the worst way to wake up, which truthfully, like, I don't think that's a bad title in all honesty. I want to know that. Exactly. And that's the point. So I think it's going to be this fine line for people in terms of what Facebook considers watch bait and what's actually just good marketing that's getting eyeballs onto your content. So I think we're living in this time where these platforms are taking a much larger role for better or worse in what they consider to be good content. And I don't personally think they always know what's best. I think that's why we have these platforms that are really catered to what it is we're interested in. You know, if we continue to click on certain things and watch certain things, obviously that's something that that individual is interested in or something that they like. Maybe that's how they discover, you know, unique things, but they want to, I guess, give people more context up front about what it is they're seeing before they see it. I think ultimately like a thumbs down button would probably be an easier way to do that. You know, the way that we have it on YouTube, that's a way for someone to say, hey, I spent my time watching this. I thought it was going to be what I needed. And it turns out it wasn't. And then those thumbs down could really dictate how far that content goes, as opposed to them just kind of deciding what they think is good or bad. But that also is kind of going to go into the thumbnails of videos and those descriptions. So I think they just want it to be a little bit more upfront. They said they want to see more thumbnails that are coming directly from the video, as opposed to something that is not related, which, you know, again, sometimes it's harder to do. Like you can't necessarily always find a good thumbnail or a compelling thumbnail that comes directly from that video. But that is something that they want to see. They also like when people are using their own voice to kind of, you know, narrate some of their videos, which I would assume most people are doing that anyway, if it's their video. But that apparently is something that they might be seeing some challenges with. So that's definitely what they consider to be watch baity or that they want to encourage people to avoid. So if you are really into those curiosity-based, you know, marketing tactics, maybe just take a second look and ask yourself, like, could I give it a little bit more context so that someone would know if this is a video they want to watch? Again, I don't necessarily love the whole concept because I do think it's in that gray area um, that's kind of a bit hard for people to know how to comply with, which, you know, always makes it really challenging for marketers. Well, one thing that I, I actually love based on what I've seen over the last few weeks when it comes to Facebook's updates is now that they're actually 
gradually rolling now. It's not fully rolled out yet, but they're gradually rolling out an alert system for users to let them know when their posts have been removed. And I know that's so frustrating as a social media manager, when you work really hard on a post, you put it out, you know, on your feed, you hope that people engage with it. And then it's like, where did it go? So tell us a little bit more about that. Any kind of context for that or any guidance for those of us that are creating content for companies? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that it's really about paying attention to what is getting removed. Mm -hmm. The reasons that you're giving for those things being removed, I do know myself, it is challenging. Yes. Even with ads, you know, a lot of the time their reasoning is very vague on some of these things. They are done in an automated fashion to where it's not even always directly related to what it was that was rejected or removed. So I think that really getting familiar with what they consider to be the rules is going to be the best way to combat that. You know, really understanding what are the things that are getting flagged by the AI systems, because these aren't being done manually. They are being done in an automated fashion. There are certain words that will trigger those things. There are certain things in images or videos that will also trigger that. And so if you can just kind of really understand those things and avoid them on the front end, you're not going to run into as many of those issues in general. I think always trying to appeal is a great way to go. It doesn't mean it'll always get reinstated or that, you know, you'll be able to post that again, but at least it will allow a real human to take a look at that as opposed to just letting an automated system that's not always correct dictate which pieces of content are shown and which ones aren't. So I personally just try and operate like from a position of if I know the rules really well, then I'm just going to do everything I can to avoid those keywords or those triggers that will set off the system in the first place. Sometimes it's just the way you phrase things. And so just avoiding it altogether is really the best way to go. There are times that's not going to work. And, you know, you just have to learn from those things and Ask yourself what you can do differently next time to hopefully not have that happen again. And maybe it's just avoiding certain topics, unfortunately, or it could be, again, just rephrasing things, talking about things from a different angle, and you might be good to go the next time around. So interesting. It seems like in the world of social media, things are changing all the time. As we've already talked about, Facebook is adding features and adding services, but they're also removing some services. And over the last few weeks, they announced that there's two major services that they're removing, that they're ending. One of them is podcasting and the other one is the campus app. Do you have any thoughts on either one of those? I think the fact that I barely knew they existed in the first place probably means it was a good decision. That's right. You know, I think podcasting probably could have been a good opportunity for them. I mean, podcasts are huge. I listen to podcasts almost every single day. It could have been a great way for them to partner with other podcast providers or hosts to allow people to get found to a brand new audience more easily. You know, I don't know that people are really going to move off of some of those bigger podcasting platforms in general. But I still think they could have had a great opportunity because I think it's kind of difficult to find new podcasts on those apps. Like if I'm not searching for one, I don't really get served up with a ton of, you know, new suggestions of podcasts I should listen to. So I think that could have been a cool feature. I don't really think they put much effort behind it. I barely knew it existed. Yes. Never have I really tried to dive into it. 
the campus app. I assume that's probably for schools. So right. I'm a little bit out of that age group now, unfortunately. But I do think that the demo of Facebook itself has moved away from their original demo, which was the college student. I think those people are more on Instagram than they are on Facebook in a lot of ways. And so that could have had something to do with it. But you know, I think like with any business, it's trial and error. You try things that you think are going to work or resonate with your audience. And, you know, you let the data do the talking if people aren't into it. Or again, you know, maybe you didn't really give it a good fighting effort in terms of how much you made people aware of it. But at some point you have to decide, like, is this even worth continuing with? And if you don't really feel like it's gained any traction, then I think it's better to pull the plug and put those resources into some of the features or aspects that people are utilizing a lot more. That's right. One thing that we try to do at Social Media Examiner is pay attention to what the large platforms are testing. And then then when it seems like it's something that they're really going to be rolling out, then to communicate it with you, our listener or our viewer, one thing that we're seeing being tested more and more, which looks kind of interesting, and Ali, I'd love your take on it, is that Facebook is testing the new story-like notification bubbles to boost engagement. I don't know if you've seen that yet or if you have any impressions on that. Yeah, no, I think it will be helpful. I do know that they're going to be doing that with Reels as well. Mm -hmm. So the same way that we see the stories at the top of the page, people look at those. You know, that is something that alerts them to someone that they follow that maybe they wouldn't have seen in their feed. I do know that just getting those like so-and-so is going live notifications, Mm -hmm. those always alert me to things that maybe I would not have found on my own but something that I do, in fact, want to check out. And I think the popularity of stories based on them being in that placement and really updating based on who's posting stories and when, it shows people who's active in the moment. And so they know that, hey, this isn't something that I've already seen. So it does allow people to connect on a deeper level with the people that they're following that, again, if you're following like thousands of people, It's going to be pretty difficult to like see all of them all the time, but at least those that are more active, they're going to show up a lot more frequently. And so it's basically rewarding the people who are using the platforms more by being found a lot more easily, but it's also helping the people who follow them connect with those people or brands a lot more easily as well. So I think it's probably a win for both the creators and the consumers or the viewers. That's right. I love that. I have seen consistently when you're using a platform, you pay attention to what the newer features are and the algorithm seems to favor the newest features. And so if you're paying attention, right, if you're paying attention to the newest features and you start using them for your company, for your business, then you might get more engagement. Is that your perspective as well? Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think that stories was one of the first, you know, bigger Examples of that and reels definitely has been. I mean, mm-hmm. posting a static image, you know, can still do well. But when it comes to especially reaching a new group of people that isn't already following you or who hasn't seen you before, it's going to be pretty tough these days to get those pieces of content to reach that brand new audience. And I think that's, you know, what most people are looking for. They want to be able to nurture their existing audience, but they do want to grow that following and they will make it easier for you to do that if you're utilizing the things that they consider to be really important or really valuable. And so we're building our houses on rented land, so to speak. So we have got to take note of what our landlord is looking for because it's going to make our lives easier if we 
do that. I mean, sometimes those features don't stick around like the ones that we already mentioned today. So I think it's a good idea to be aware of them and to try them and test them out. But, you know, some of them, they're going to go by the wayside. So Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to invest all of your time and energy into doing those things. But if you see something that's really gaining traction, um, I think it's probably going to be more cost effective and more efficient for you to just to lean into those formats. And sometimes that feels challenging or, you know, hey, I just figured out this other thing and now I've got to figure out something totally new. But at the end of the day, most of these features, they're just variations on a theme. Like there's really not anything that's crazy brand new. And so it's not really like learning a whole new platform. It's just getting more familiar with best practices and being able to potentially utilize a few different tools, you know, I think just watching a few tutorials, social media examiner is always so great for that. Watch a few tutorials of some of these features, you'll probably be up to speed in like a half an hour. So you can at least start utilizing those things and then, you know, figure out how much you like it, how much you want to do it, and maybe what the best format is for you. Because with any of these features, you don't have to do it the same exact way as other people. That's right. For Reels, for example, you can have like a background video clip and then just have like a quote on top of it. I mean, that's about as similar to a regular post as you can get. It just has a moving background on it, but it will be reached by a lot more people. And if you are spending your time creating content, you should be trying to leverage it with everything that you can. Mm, When in doubt, test it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amazing. Well, just a reminder, to find out what tools and apps we recommend, just go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash apps. That's socialmediaexaminer.com slash apps. And if you want to add a podcast to your listening lineup, subscribe to Michael Stelzner's Social Media Marketing Podcast. Allie, where can we learn more about you? Well, you definitely can check out the Marketing Inc. podcast if you're a podcast listener. Definitely some great content for local businesses and local marketers. My website, AllieBloydMedia.com is another great place if you want to learn more about what I do and, you know, potentially reach out and see how we might be able to work together. Amazing. Allie, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was so helpful and you provide such guidance for us as we seek to use Facebook to engage our audience and to continue to grow our reach and our impact and our influence in our industries. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome as always. Wonderful. Well, until next time, remember that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. Now go make a difference today. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.